true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhind, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. Okay, I have the best story for you. So over Thanksgiving, I was at my mom's in Florida and she was like, you have to read this book. And she hands me this book and literally, I think within two days, I devoured the entire thing. Now, not only did I devour the entire thing, I became obsessed with this author because I was so fascinated that I immediately looked up another one of her books and I devoured it in one night. I couldn't sleep, right? Pregnancy, I couldn't sleep. And so I devoured a second book. And then lo and behold, about, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I see an email from the author about coming on the Purpose Girl podcast. And I was like, this is the greatest. I called my mom. This is so exciting because we love your books so much. So I want to introduce you to this incredible woman, this incredible author. You are about to meet Marie Benedict. She has been a lawyer for more than, with more than 10 years of experience as a litigator at two of the country's premier law firms. Then she found her calling unearthing the hidden historical stories of women. Her mission is to excavate from the past the most important, complex, and fascinating women in history and bring them into the light of present day where we can finally perceive the breadth of the contributions that they made, as well as bringing their insights into modern day issues. The book that I devoured in a couple of days was called The Only Woman in the Room. It is about the famous actress Hedy Lamarr and how She actually was a scientist and she escaped the Holocaust and her incredible journey from escaping Vienna, Austria, which is where my grandparents were from and also escaped the Holocaust, to coming into the United States and becoming one of the most famous actresses alive. But really, she was a scientist and her contribution that has actually changed all of our lives. And we're going to get into that. So I must introduce you to Marie because we are going to get into women living on purpose and these women of history and how we're standing on their shoulders. So Marie, welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. And I cannot believe like the synchronicity of you reading two of my books before I reached out to you. That's just unbelievable. I am telling you, this is the universe at work. And then you should have heard, Marie, you should have heard the phone call when I called my mom. I'm like, you will never believe who just called me, you know, who wants to be on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it was one of those, it was great. It was one of those moments like, mom, I've made it, you know, like, (laughs) this is great. Well, I love what you're doing because what you're doing in terms of encouraging and helping guide people towards their purpose is really exactly what my journey has been. And kind of what I do with these women is kind of as I'm excavating them, bringing their stories out, showing how they ultimately became these, they're almost, let me back up a second. I look at my women as like superheroes and my books are almost like their origin stories, you know, Mm -hmm. how they became the people that made these 
unbelievable, important contributions to our modern day world. Like how did that happen? How did they evolve into, into this point? And how are we living with that legacy today and how we don't really know about it? So that's, it's all very tied with what you're doing. Yes, it so is. And I think that this is why my mom knew that I would love this book so much. So I know those of you out there, you may not have read her books yet and you're going to want to, especially because she has a new one. But just taking as an example, this one character that I just mentioned, who learned everything about science and had this depth of knowledge from her father, but really was always just praised for her beauty and has this incredible story. I know that what you really love doing is bringing these women to modern day life so that we can learn from them. Tell us, what do you want us to learn from these women? Oh my gosh, so many things. I mean, each one of them really is, I mean, I follow the women. So a lot of historical fiction writers are focused on a particular time period. I go wherever the women are, right? Whatever time period they happen to be in. So I'm looking for women who have made these important contributions that we're living with today, right? They have these legacies that have legs, for lack of a better word. And they also have, are really grappling with very modern day issues. So it's no surprise that each woman kind of falls into a different topic matter. So like the other Einstein, the first in the series is about Maleva Marish Einstein, who was Albert Einstein's first wife and a physicist herself and the role she played in his theories. And her kind of focus is all about women in science. Mm. The second book in the series Carnegie's made is, is all about an Irish immigrant and the role she played in Andrew Carnegie's transformation and into becoming the creator of the free library system. And, you know, she's about women in philanthropy and women in libraries the only woman in the room, the one you were just referring to, is really the story of this incredible woman, of course, but also the story about women in STEM and STEM fields and and the resistance they face and um, the lack of uh, acknowledgement they get for the work that they do. And the most recent book, which is called Lady Clementine, which is about Winston Churchill's wife, Clementine Churchill, and the role she played, not as the woman behind the man, but as a full political partner shouldering the mantle of leadership from World War One all the way through World War Two is the story about women in politics. So each of them takes a very modern issue that we as women are still dealing with today, despite the the leaps and bounds we've had since since these books were written, you know, during the time period of these books. But um, and that the, and then they make something. Each one of these women has this incredible contribution that we're that we're just benefiting from, and we have no knowledge. So, mm. you know, ultimately, my goal is to shift the lens um, through which people look at the past. And then if I do my job right, then they'll use that lens as they look at other people in the past, other time periods, and then maybe even into modern day and see that women have been here all along, have contributed all along just because we don't know about it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Women are capable of so much. And we have been doing this, all this work, science, technology, philanthropy, politics, we've been doing it all this time. We just haven't been getting any acknowledgement for it for the most part. Right. Like history literally has been the story of the men, but not the story of the women. But the women were there. I'm not saying every woman, I'm not saying that in the same numbers and capacities that we have today, but they certainly have been there and they've been playing an important role, but we don't look at the past that way. But, you know, I want people to extrapolate from that and extrapolate into their own lives and see if these women were capable of doing these things under those circumstances, then I am capable of doing those things today, right? 
Yes, I can take the leap. I really can make a significant contribution. I can live my purpose when I have an idea. And exactly. the, just just using, you know, Hedy Lamar as an example, she became privy to all this information about the war and about missiles and how all the technology worked. And then she had all this knowledge and no one wanted to listen to her. And this is something that women are still facing, right? Here we have equal rights. We're graduating in larger numbers from universities than men, et cetera, et cetera. But we still feel like we don't have a voice in the room or, you know, next month I'm going to be the keynote speaker at, at Amazon's International Women's Day. And yeah, exactly. Thank you. And so many of the women are in technology there. And a couple of them have shared with me that often they're the only woman in the room. So this is such an opportunity. What do you want us to learn when we read these? Um, really two things. I mean, first, like I said, I want people to know that they can do it right? And to look and see how these women did it. Yes, their circumstances were different. Yes, the obstacles that they had to face maybe looked a little different than our obstacles. But like I said, their origin stories, how those women got from where they were to where they they leapt into the stratosphere and made these unbelievable um, contributions. And, you know, it's either inventions, theories, political uh, decisions, um, inspired philanthropy, all... These women, so when you look at that, I want people to, to say, I can do that too. I'm more than capable. Mm-hmm. And, and then to say, I'm not going to allow the things that occurred in the past to allow again here. I'm not going to allow the marginalization, the lack of acknowledgement, the, the kind of barrier to entry that we see time and time again. I'm not, I'm not going to allow that to happen in this case. And then to start to look at themselves and the world around them differently and see that all these things are possible and capable because they've always been possible and we've always been mm-hmm. capable, right? Yes. What I noticed, and I've read The Only Woman in the Room, and I read Carnegie's Maid. Carnegie's Maid was the one that I read in one night. I am newly pregnant and not really, thank you, and uh, have not been sleeping well. And so maybe my body's getting ready, right? And, oh, it's totally <laughs> And so Carnegie's Maid, I read in, you know, one night. And as I'm reading a similarity I saw in these characters was that they were creative, right? They mm-hmm. had, they were told no, and they had obstacles, and they were creative, even if it meant they had to kind of fib around and you know make up, right? And they were resilient as heck. They had been through so much, but even oh, yeah. no matter what they had been through, they kept rising up. They kept coming back. They kept, you know, to their principles and to their values and to their purpose. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think another thing that's sort of crosses all the characters is they all had um, a core passion mm-hmm. that they followed, mm-hmm. you know, so it, for each one of them, it's different, right? For Maleva Marish, it's she loves physics. She's the physics is the language that she speaks and it's the way in which she sees the world. And that's her calling her passion with um, Clara Kelly. It's her, her sort of desire to better others, to r- help others rise up as she herself has pulled herself up. You know, she's a young immigrant, had no access to education and wants to give others that opportunity with the only woman in the room. You know, she really, her purpose is science and invention 
with an end game, mm -hmm. right? You know, her goal with um, her invention is to strike out against Hitler, to hope that all the terrible plans that she overheard that the Nazis were going to put in place, both in terms uh, from a military perspective and also for the Jewish people, how could she use her skill set, her passion, her love of inventing to strike out? and make a change. And with Clementine, from a young age, she had a passion for politics, but politics with an end game. Mm -hmm. You know, she was very focused on bettering the lives of the laboring class and bettering women. And, you know, she was lived in a society that told her women could not have political power. So, you know, she was married to a politician. Politicians' wives were never seen or heard from. And what she did was working behind the scenes, she cobbled together the power that she could. And even though it derived from her husband, she cobbled together a significant amount of power in, and became a force and utilized her access to, to foster change for other people. So oh, I cannot you know, wait to read this. This is your new book, Lady Clementine. Yeah, cannot. that's the new one, Lady Clementine. Well, I probably won't be able to sleep tonight, so I'll make sure. <laughs> well, there you go. You got it. I'm you just going to download it on Kindle, right? This is so good. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they, they all have that. And, you know, that's me. That's my story. Right. You know, I, I grew up with an abiding passion for history and in particular for um, uncovering the unheard, uh, unanswered questions of history and unheard voices. Mm. Um, and that started way back when I was in middle school, when I read this um, book that my, this, I had a wonderful aunt who was um, an English professor and a rebellious nun. Mm. And she was like in charge of giving me books. And I was a voracious reader. And she gave me this book called The Mists of Avalon, which was the um, art. Have you read it? Oh my God. It's like my Bible. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Are you serious? Most people have never read that book. Okay. Then I don't need to tell you. Well, but it tell our like, listeners. Um, tell our listeners. Mm -hmm. So I read it, and I think it was like middle school, early mm -hmm. high school, and it is a. Uh, it was groundbreaking for its time. We do this today, you know, um, but it took the Arthurian legend and it told it from the perspective of the women. So instead of Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and you know the the quest for the Grail being the focal point, it's the women's stories that are the focal point. Guinevere and Morgan Le Fay. And when I read that book, much as you probably did, it just totally. It just changed my, my world. Like I opened up my eyes to the fact that there were all these different voices in history, women's voices, and they were not part of history, legend, lore. They weren't even out there. And it made me start to wonder, how is history fashion? Why am I only hearing a couple voices when in fact history is comprised of so many voices and fit over 50% of the population? Um, and from that book, it really led me down the path. I was a history major in college. I thought I was going to be a professor, an archaeologist, kind of uncovering these voices. But I got detoured. You know, if you're a history major, people are like, what are you going to do with that? And um, there was a lot... You know, there's a lot of societal pressure to go to law school. A lot of women were being encouraged to enter the legal ranks at that time. And I did. And I was successful. I worked at two huge New York City law firms. But I, I, I knew it wasn't what I was meant to be doing. I knew that wasn't my purpose. And eventually, I kind of circled back to to write, going back to where I started with the Miss of Avalon, kind of unearthing these different voices, different perspectives, and writing them back into the narrative. So it kind of, my purpose is kind of showing how other women have a purpose, much like yours is, right? Yes. Showing the, the origin story of how that happens and how, you know, in order to lead an authentic existence and authenticity is a theme throughout all of my books. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you notice the only woman in the room, there's masks and 
you know, there's always a pervasive theme of, of how to best lead your most authentic life. Mm-hmm. And for each of these women, it's a huge hurdle to do that. And yet they have this core abiding passion, much as I did. And it took, you know, it was a long circuitous route for me to get back to where I started when I was like an early teenager. But eventually I got there and kind of pushed away the societal voices and started following that. That was a really long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> I love it. Are you kidding? It's so good. It's- I can't believe you've read The Miss of Avalon. Yeah, I did read The Miss of Avalon. Uh, once I started really getting into the feminine and understanding that we, the wake-up call for me was, oh, we've been living in a male-dominated world. I suppose at some point people realized this. I realized it. And what I was craving, what I was missing was the feminine and understanding what is feminine power? Because the only thing I had ever really known was what we had been taught was masculine power, which, you know, power is power over people. And so I really was craving and I was burning myself out, even though I had switched from corporate America into living my purpose and starting Purpose Girl and doing this incredible, fun, great work in the world. I was burning myself out because I was doing it in the masculine. So I started to really investigate the feminine and a mentor recommended that book. And I say it's my Bible because I... I saw these powerful women in different, in different lights, but all, all operating from a feminine. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's, it's funny you say that because now that you put it that way, that's how all the women in my books do too. They're all, you know, when you kind of go back, they're not, they're not dominating. They're not overpowering. They have their purpose and they're going about it in a very direct way. Um, a conciliatory isn't the right way, but collaborative way very often yes. and doing it in, um, in a way to get their, their, um, their end goals, um, effectuated, but not by suppressing somebody else. Yeah. It's, it's not the squashing. It is the mm-hmm. including and the enrolling and the creative. Mm-hmm. And so I can so see why I was so drawn to your work immediately. <laughs> It's so funny. And now that I'm hearing, you know, really, you are right. And and I have read two and I I know I'm going to read the others. The passion, these women had purpose, they had passion and that this was the common theme. And he, and which of course is what this show is, is all about. And when I read your story that you had Mm -hmm. been a lawyer and here you are now best-selling author, you know, this is a dream I know of a lot of women who are in corporate or they're in, they're a lawyer or they be whatever they, they went into and they really Mm -hmm. want to make the shift. Mm -hmm. So that was really brave of you. I mean, really brave. So Uh, can you share how you, how you did it? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's the, the shift is for me, is something that happened over a long period of time. Um, and I had to, you know, it, it, it takes a certain amount of surrender of the, you know, the trappings of societal approval in order to do that. You know, I knew I didn't love the law. I went into it because I was good at it. You know, I was getting a lot of societal um, affirmation from being in it, working at the super high level. Um, Even though I didn't love the things I didn't love about it um, were uh, the constant contentiousness, fighting for fighting's sake. I often felt like I was using my energy, my time, my limited time on 
fighting because that's how you grind someone down in litigation. You know, it's not, okay, we obviously have a conflict. How do we best resolve it? I could see the end, but I knew I was never going to be allowed to get there in a way that seemed, um, and maybe in a way that seemed feminine in like a way that a way that was in alignment with you exactly with your who own value to you are. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I hadn't really ever thought about writing um, fiction and I hadn't really thought about writing historical fiction. Certainly I was a voracious reader. Um, I, as I mentioned, you know, that's how I came into Miss of Avalon, but um, I was seeking something different. You know, I knew it wasn't what I was meant to do. It wasn't the law. Um, I would kind of, sneak out. I worked super long hours and I would sneak out and take classes at NYU and Columbia in like kind of history. I was thinking maybe I'd go back and become a history professor and that didn't seem to fit either. And then one day, um, uh, one of my dear friends who actually started a not-for-profit for middle school girls mm-hmm. called Etra um, and has done incredible work with that kind of circling back to our youth, you know, when we both kind of got off path. Um, and she asked me a question. She said, would there ever be a case I would refuse to take on, on moral grounds, even though I, my client had a really good basis for the case. Hmm. And this was the very first, um, this was in the nineties. This was when the very first few cases in which families of Holocaust victims were trying to recoup artwork that had been stolen by their families from the Nazis. This was not something that was well known. It was something I knew about because, you know, we would read abstracts of cases and things as, as lawyers and I had an idea for a story. And um, so I kind of picked away at it over eight years. You know, it wasn't like an overnight process. I knew I kind of, I had to learn how to write fiction. I'd never taken a fiction writing class. And that is not easy. I mean, that is, no. that is a real, I've learned a lot since then. That is a real talent. I mean, there, you must have had something in you already that was a talent you honed, but that is. Um, well, I think just being a voracious reader in many ways is such a, it's really the best learning ground for how to be a writer. And, but I, I certainly had no training in it. And um, I, I look back on those early books, and they, weren't, they weren't what I'm writing now, but anyway. Um, and after eight years, I, you know, I, I did it in secret because I didn't think, oh, what do I know? You know, what do I know about writing? But I knew I really enjoyed it. And it was um, not the Marie Benedict books. I wrote seven books as Heather Terrell before I wrote these books. And that very first book was about um, it had two different, st- three different storylines, some historical, some modern day, exploring the theft of um, artwork by the Nazis during World War II and how uh, a female protagonist kind of unearths all of it. And it was my first foray into it. And I, and I, and I was very lucky. I got published right out of the gate and I continued to write. But I knew, again, that that wasn't what I was 100% meant to be writing. And I wrote in a couple different genres until sort of all of those uh, books kind of led me to write the books that I'm writing now. It was a process. Um, And for me, it was a long process, you know, eight years for the first book. And since then, I've done a book a year ever since. But um, it's, it's been, you know, it took sometimes getting to the point where you leave where you are to where you're meant to be isn't something that happens like that. It's, it's a, you're learning about yourself as you're learning how to do it. Absolutely. This is so important for everyone listening because I know when I first had the inkling that this is what I was supposed to do, I, I thought, what's the silver bullet? Like, how do I just do this tomorrow? How do I become Oprah tomorrow? You know, there was like, <laughs> and we, we see online people go on social media or what and claim that they became an overnight success. And it's like, no, it took you, you know, 20 years yeah. to become an overnight success. Yeah. And so this is super important. Anyone out there who's listening, 
this is a process. You know, what I'm really hearing Marie say is this is a process of really getting to know yourself, of kind of right. trying some things on, right? You tried a couple things on, they didn't really fit, you kept looking. Um, sometimes the first whatever product you put out or offering you put out is not going to be the thing. And it doesn't matter. You put that out and you learn from it and you put the next thing out and you learn from it. That's exactly right. Like I look at those earlier seven books, three of which were historical suspense. And then I wrote two young adult series. It's almost like they were writing exercises for the book that I write now. Wow. Because as I was writing them. I, what I learned was that I love to write historical. I loved, which I did in the first three. Then with the YA, you do a lot of first person um, writing. Okay. Very, a lot of exploration of emotions. Um, I learned I liked that, but, it, but the subject wasn't what I wanted. Mm. And it wasn't until I kind of went full circle back to what I had originally loved, which was the myths of Avalon and women's stories, women's histories, that I was able to put all those three things together and realize that that was what I was meant to be doing. Oh, but like you said, it is a process and there is no silver bullet. It's it's knowing, and as you know, all that is happening, I'm developing myself as a person. Right. I couldn't write the books I write now if I had not, you know, gone through some of the life experiences that I had um, along the way. All of those things led to me being able to write the books that I do now. So it definitely wasn't overnight. It was, <laughs> it was probably 20 years. <laughs> years in the process. And, um, and it, but it, but what's important and what's what I see in looking at my characters, my who are historical figures, is that the, that you have to have the passion. Yeah, that's what sustains you as you get towards fulfilling what you're meant to be doing. Yes, yes. And your passion was unearthing the the untold stories, the women's stories. And any of you out there, this is why whenever I talk about purpose, it's not a job title, right? It's not being an author. It's not being a lawyer or being a nurse. It is it's a verb, it's active, right? So you, you are all about unearthing these stories and, and us learning from them. And I am all about my purpose is to empower women to love themselves and go live their purpose. And so as you're thinking about purpose out there, there is a core underlying passion of some difference that you really want to make in the world. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I do say I'm when I, I give talks all over the place, but I always say I'm on, a, I'm, a, I'm on a mission. I mean, I'm not just writing books, right. like I'm on a specific mission and you know, it is to excavate these women. And so that we can look at our world through fresh eyes and look at our past and our present and our future in a, in a very different broader capacity. And just like other, you're doing what you're doing to help people do that same thing. It's all a different um, way to kind of approach the same issue, the same uh, conundrum that we as people are all in. Absolutely. And I bet you hear from women, Marie, who say, I read the book or I read, you know, I read one of your books and I had an aha about my own life. Oh, all the time. I get it all the time. It's, and that's actually one of the best things about giving talks is to, to see, because, you know, I operate, it's me writing right. myself. With your computer and right. and my, my research and, you know, um, so for me to actually be able to connect with women and see how the books or a particular book spoke to them specifically. And very often what I see is, um, you know, as I write in history, it's a little bit removed from what people are actually dealing with. It's not a story about contemporary life mm -hmm. and it's just removed enough as to not be threatening. Oh. So people can extrapolate 
from that into their own life and see things in themselves and in their own experiences that they might not have seen if it was super close and it was challenging them. It allows people to draw their own conclusions. Like just as one example, I get a lot of women who've read The Other Einstein. Um, and it, you know, in that book, um, not to do too many spoilers, but she does not get any recognition for the role that she played in these theories. And um, so many women who are in the science fields will come up to me afterwards and say, I just, I read this and I, I saw myself. I saw all the work that I, I do at my lab or at my university. And, and I see how I'm not, you know, something that they've known subconsciously, but haven't been quite ready to, to accept and change or do anything about. And if they had read a book that really tackled that issue head on, it might just be a little bit too much, yeah. a little bit too close. Um, and so I hope if I do my job right at the end, it, it gives people not just a lesson about the world exterior, but the world interior as well. Well, I can tell you as one of your readers, you absolutely do that. <laughs> you absolutely do that. And what I love so much is reading your books and then reading your story, right? I didn't know your story before you contacted me about the podcast and sure. reading that you yourself mm-hmm. you know, are a woman who had followed the traditional path and then had the bravery to start investigating what your heart really is all about. And before I ask you the next question, I just want to pause and share with everyone, remind all of you that we are starting the Purpose Girl Dream Accelerator for you to really do what Marie has done, for you to get clear on what is it that lights you up? What is it that you want to do and to get you on your path in 2020? So you want to make sure that you are reaching out to me because right now women are applying and women are saying yes and joining and it's going to be a small group and it's going to be fabulous. And in four months, you are going to do your own excavating and we are going to get you on your path. And so you want to make sure that you are checking that out. Go over to purposegirl.com and send me a message. So Marie, a lot of women out there, I hear from a lot of women that they want to write a book. So specifically as a writer, what's the first step? Uh, The first step is writing the book. (laughs) Just sit down. (laughs) And even if it's 10 minutes a day or five o'clock in the morning. Because you know what? I, and again, I get lots and lots and lots of people who tell me they have ideas for a book, but the very first step for anybody is not, is not just having an idea. It's actually doing it mm. and, and not overthinking it, not overanalyzing. And so many people get stuck on making the perfect first sentence, perfect first chapter, perfect. You know, it, that's not how it goes. I mean, writing is, a, is literally a work in progress. You're going to constantly edit it. You need to just go forward and not be paralyzed by your own either indecision decision or fear or whatever, you have to look inside and see whatever it is that's holding, you know, you back specifically, but you can't get to step two through a hundred unless you actually have a book that you've written. And, you know, people go about that. I am, everybody has their own journey to writing. Some people get masters in fine arts and they do it formally. You've heard from me. I had to figure it out as I went along (laughs) what I wanted to write, but I didn't really know how to write. Um, And classes then ultimately, no, I never did. You never, you just kept honing your writing and learning from, learning from the process. Learning from the process and learning from reading other good mm-hmm. writers. Right, right. But, you know, I mean, that, that's so much a part of it. Um, I'm not saying I couldn't benefit from writing class, but it's, this is a great example. One of the things that I'll often work with people on in a question is to look at who your role models are and learn from them. 
And I think, you know, as one of the pieces of advice I always give to people who are thinking about writing, but don't know exactly what they want to write or what format it should take is to read. Mm. That's the number one step. I mean, to say, you know what, I, I want to write a memoir about this experience I had, then you need to go read memoirs and see what they look like and feel like. And maybe for you, you need to take a class or maybe you need to get a critique group going or and start that process. But the only way you're going to get down the road is to actually write the book. People, unless you're a celebrity, you cannot get a book published until your book is finished. Mm-hmm right? With that first book. Right. Um, after that, you know, now I don't need to write a full book to, to have a contract. I, I sell proposals, but I'm, you know, 10 books down the road. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I'm at a different stage in my career. So, but that's always the first step is to write the book and however you need to get there, whether it's reading, taking classes, getting a group going, but to take that step instead of simply talking about it and thinking about it is to take the leap. Right. I mean, action is the antidote to fear, right? I mean, it's, and that perfection, you know, I, I have several books in me and it has been probably eight years that I've been working on a couple of them. So maybe that eight years is, you know, is the magic number and, and that perfection voice. So this is helpful for me. So thank you. You need to get rid of that voice because that, that that little creature that lives inside our head that's society that's not us right, right. that's society tell us we have to be x y and z and you need to just jettison that voice right we just need to get it on paper and and then this is you know tying it into your mission the more mm-hmm. we tell our stories i firmly believe that a huge part of a woman's purpose is telling her life story Oh, definitely. Right? definitely. We have lived through so much and the someone somewhere needs to hear it. And so all of you out there who do want to write your own story, it, the tie-in with your books, Marie, is let's not let our stories be hidden. Right, exactly. You need to excavate yourself from the past, from your own past and bring your own self into the light. And whether that's a book or whether that's a podcast or whether that's a business, whatever that looks like. Or a conversation with your kids, like making sure that you are, right, this, these are all purposeful ways that we can move forward, yeah. that we are standing in our own story, we're owning it and claiming it. 100%, 100%. And that's a theme in all of my books is, you know, women in the past didn't always have that, um, that capacity. They didn't, society didn't give them that latitude and we are starting to get that latitude, but until we rise up and claim it, Mm. it's not going to happen. It's not, people are going to be happy to have us exactly where society, the little box that, that society has placed us. Preach sister. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I already can tell Marie. Oh my God. Right there. Miss of Avalon. Right. The whole thing. This is so true, everyone, right? So no one is going to come tap on your cubicle or on your on your door or on your home and say, I want you to, to write the next great memoir or I want you to open the, the daycare that our community needs. We have to be the ones and we will continuously and continually hear that they may, that men make more than us and you know see the small percentage of women at the top unless we are the ones, right? If you want a promotion, let's not lament that there are not more women in the room. Let's be the woman who stands up and says, Hey, here's why I deserve to be in that room. Because it's easier for everybody else. If we stay where we are. Yes. 
That's e- that's easy. And that's easy like, for underline that it is easier for them. Yes. It's easier for them. It's easier for your company. It's easier for your family. It's easier for your friends. If you fill that same old role that you're unhappy with, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if you don't, if you just like you said, if you don't step up and own it yourself, you will continue in that path. I would still be a corporate lawyer, a commercial litigator in New York city <laughs> today, because that's, that was the easier route. And that's what everybody was telling me was the right thing to do, but I knew it wasn't the right thing to do. Mm. I knew it wasn't. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't a pretty process to get there, but you know, at some point you have to commit to the process. That doesn't mean you have to quit your, your day job to do it, but it does mean you have to take that next step instead of saying, I'm going to write a book one day. Well, how about today? Be that one day. Yes. How about Commitment you figure that is out? the first key. Right. Absolutely. Marie, I could talk to you forever and I know that we are (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I know that we are running out of time. I know. I'm sorry. I have to go give us. No, no. You are on book tour. I'm so glad that you fit us in. This is fantastic. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. I want to ask you one last question. Sure, of course. So deep in your heart, what is one thing you want every woman to know? Oh, that they're capable of anything. Mm -hmm. They're capable of whatever they set their mind to. They just have to set their minds to it. Yes. Yeah. That's what I believe. I believe, I believe we are all, and I see that with all the historical women I look at, they are capable of anything, everything. It's, it's a, it's a matter of our commitment and our will. Yes. And our belief to go do it. Oh yeah. And action, of course. course. I mean, there's a lot of steps that follow, but it takes that first step. It really does. Well, you are that model as well. Right. Thank you. You too. (laughs) Thank you. My gosh. Seeing your path and what you've done, you are, uh, you are modeling it for us and you are modeling in your own life and in the characters. Amen. I I feel such an, it's such an honor to tell their stories. I mean, it's a huge responsibility, Mm -hmm. but it's such an honor to give them a second chance at recognition. You know, they've already led these incredible lives in the shadows and it's, some of them wanted recognition of them. Some of them didn't, but it, it, it doesn't matter. Their, their stories and their contributions are important for all of us to know. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I know that they are looking down and smiling right now I, because we are, we now get to know their stories and we get to stand on their shoulders. Yeah, we definitely do. And we're fortunate for it. Oh. And we, we gotta, we gotta let some other people stand on ours, but we can only do that if we act right. You got it. You got it. Marie, you are incredible. Thank you so, so much for being on the Purpose Girl podcast. We have all of your links and everywhere people can find you in the show notes. I want to make sure everyone else out there that you are going to Marie's website. It is authormariebenedict.com, but we have it in the show notes. You want to check out her newest book. You and I will be doing it together. Lady Clementine, the two books I've read, The Only Woman in the Room and Carnegie's Made. And I know at some point I'll read the other Einstein. So Marie, thank you so much. Have the best time on your tour. You and I need to grab coffee somewhere, somewhere in the world. Exactly. It's really been a pleasure. Listen to me, a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure, but it's been a pleasure. Uh, Thank you. You keep doing what you're doing. All right. I will. I will. Okay. Okay, Thanks, Marie. All right. For all of you out there, I hope you loved this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast as much as I did. I love this woman. I love her books. Let's do book club together. Can we please? 
If you love this episode, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave a two-sentence review about the Purpose Girl Podcast, about how it inspires you because your five-star reviews are how women all over the world are finding us. The most important thing you can do is to go over to PurposeGirl.com, sign up for the newsletter because that is where I share first dibs at joining courses. That is where every week I send out advice. I send out tools and tips. You want to make sure you are getting the weekly newsletter. And of course, I hope you are sharing this podcast with every woman you know, because that is how we change the world one woman at a time. With that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.